The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. That's aitoday.live slash L-I-S-T. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And um, as we know, we've been on this uh, podcast uh, grouping where we're focusing on key terms and terminology that you really should know uh, for AI, machine learning, and big data, really going through all the terms. I mean, this is pretty comprehensive. You know, when we put together this AI glossary a while ago, uh, we thought, wow, there's, you know, we're, there's probably tons of other glossaries out there. You know, of course, there's Wikipedia. It's got it, literally everything in it, but not organized in any sort of logical way. You end up kind of like having to go through everything, and then you're probably missing most of what you probably should know. So we thought there were there must be other glossaries out there, but wow, there really aren't. So one, we put our big glossary on our website. So you can go to cognolinica.com, go to our resources and see all of the AI glossary, hundreds of terms, right? And we do our best to link them to the various podcasts, which is the next bit, which is, hey, we got the terms, let's explain them. Let's you know not spend a ton of time, but let's spend some time on our podcast explaining each term, some related terms. So that people who need to understand them to make AI work for them today can do that. And that's what we've been doing lately on our AI Today podcast. Of course, our podcast has been around for a long while. And many of you who know that have heard some of our great uh, interviews that we've had with AI practitioners, some of our topics on doing AI right, our failure series, and so much more. So stay subscribed if you're not already subscribed. And if you are subscribed, as I said, stay subscribed. Exactly. And we have put together this comprehensive AI glossary that goes over key terms related to AI, machine learning, and big data. We link to it in the show notes, and you can also find it at Cognolytica.com. Many of you have told us that you've been going back to reference it and listening to some of the podcasts more than once, uh, which is great. So thank you for doing so and giving us your feedback. On today's podcast, we want to present a few terms that group together nicely. So in case you hear them, then you kind of understand how they fit together. We're going to be talking about machine learning tools, including Keras, PyTorch, Scikit-Learn, TensorFlow, Apache Spark, and Kaggle. So if you want to actually build a model, you know, we're using an algorithm to build a machine learning model. How do you actually go about doing it, right? You know, we've we've talked about a lot of these terms in previous podcasts. We've talked about algorithms, models, but how do we actually go about doing it? Well, fortunately, you don't need to do it all from scratch. You can use a toolkit, and that helps you with all the foundational stuff that's needed, so you don't need to be doing all that. So if you want to visually think about it, because we like doing that, you know, you think about, like, you have different tools in your toolkits, and sometimes you want, want to use one tool, and sometimes you use something else. So we're going to be presenting a few of these, you know, frameworks and toolkits. Uh, one of them you may have heard of is Scikit-Learn. So this is supported by the 
language Python. And we had a previous podcast going over some languages, including Python. And we'll link to that in case you haven't heard it. So go back and you know you can hear what Python's all about. But Scikit-learn supported by Python. And it's really just a general purpose machine learning supervised and unsupervised learning. Uh, it's not great for things like deep learning. And it's also not great for GPU support. So if you want to use deep learning, don't use Scikit-learn. Uh, it originated from Python open source, and it supports a wide range of algorithms and models, which is good to know, uh, but it's not good. It's not really for performance. Yeah. Now, before some of you email us and say, hey, wait a second, I'm using Scikit-learn for deep learning algorithms and it works just fine. Uh, you know, we didn't, we're not saying that it doesn't work there at all. But like the idea is that if you're really focused on deep learning, especially some of the more complicated neural nets, we've spent some time talking about not all neural nets are the same. And some are really specialized for doing certain things like image recognition. We may use something like a convolutional neural net or for natural language processing. We may use an LSTM or a recurring neural net or maybe some more something more complicated like like a transformer network. And we have to and it, the more that things get complicated the more that we may want toolkits and frameworks that are more specifically built for those complicated neural nets where we can combine these things almost like Lego pieces. So you might have heard TensorFlow. So TensorFlow is a framework and a you know toolkit that's really that supports a, a wider range of languages. It supports Python, but also C++ and Java. There's even a JavaScript version especially for supervised learning with a focus on deep learning networks. It's, that's its focus. And it has both high-level APIs where you might just say, combine these kind of networks together and here's some of the parameters, as well as low-level APIs where you can really get into the nuts and bolts of the specifics of the neural net and configure it. And it even has some support for reinforcement learning. So there's a lot of good stuff there. TensorFlow, backed by Google, <laughs> a lot. This is the cornerstone to like, pretty much everything that AI is, uh, Google is doing with AI and machine learning. There were some other old toolkits you may have heard of Theano and um, TF Learn, but a lot of these things have been sort of uh, compressed together to avoid too many competing things. So TensorFlow is really, really very popular and is the core of the Google's cloud platform uh, for uh, AI. Exactly. So you may have heard of Keras, which is another framework or toolkit. It's supported uh, with Python as well. And it's really, you know, easily, you can easily build neural networks here. It sits on top of TensorFlow and Ron just talked about TensorFlow. But with Keras, it's not optimized or easily customizable. And this was originated by Google as well. And it really is the simplest way to get started with deep learning. So if you'd like to uh, you know, get started with deep learning, you're not really sure where to start, Keras is a great framework and toolkit to get started with. Yeah. And um, the thing about Keras is that you may see a lot of people using it, especially for what we'll talk about later, some competitions where they need to quickly create some neural net. And it's not really as necessary to dive into the details because you're not optimizing it perhaps for uh, real world operationalization. So people, you may hear people using uh, Keras. There's nothing wrong with it. Open source library. Uh, you know, it's great for neural nets and it has it's user friendly and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but there's another library toolkit that we can use, and that is PyTorch. You might have heard of that. So PyTorch, which comes out of not Google, but Facebook slash Meta, uh, is also a toolkit that's really optimized for building neural networks, and especially 
convolutional neural nets and recurring neural nets. Because if you think about how Facebook slash Meta is using AI machine learning, it's for things like captioning, you know, images, automatically finding people in things, doing text, like translation. These are things that are really uh, very much in the world of those particular types of neural nets. So you can imagine they built a toolkit to really help them do it uh, well. And of course, they've open sourced and made it available to others. Has support what's called dynamic computation graphs. So if you're not familiar with the graph database, of course, graphs are things that are interconnected. No, it's not necessarily a tree, but things are interconnected. They can have cycles or not. And of course, if you think of your how Facebook works. Yeah, it's like stuff connected to each other. So of course, they're going to be graph-centric. The other great thing about PyTorch is it's when you build the models, they're good for both sort of um, you know on-premise or cloud, but also for mobile. Because again, if you think about the use case, you want you may want to use these machine learning models like on a mobile device. So 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 this is again like you may choose different tools for different. Uh, reasons. If you've heard of Cafe and Cafe 2, they were actually merged together with PyTorch. They all kind of came together. So um, these are a bunch of different tools in your tool, but you don't have to pick just one. Pick the right tool for the right situation. These are to, to the largest extent possible open source. Yeah, there may be you know commercial companies backing them, but they're not preventing you from using it in your application for your specific needs. Some of these toolkits have additional um, you know, sort of benefits when you're using them on their cloud environment, for example. So that may lean you one way or another on a tool, or perhaps you're using some optimized hardware that might even be optimized for specific toolkits. Like you may have heard in our previous uh, podcast, we talked about tensor processing units, TPUs, which are an optimized hardware, which really works well with TensorFlow. So, if you're building TensorFlow, uh, you know, based, uh, you know, networks and models, they will work even better than they would on TPUs than when they would work on GPUs. So, something to think about. The next term we want to familiarize you with is Apache Spark. It's a free, open-source, distributed, general-purpose cluster computing framework. And Spark provides an interface for programming entire clusters with implicit data parallelism, parallelism, and fault tolerance. So basically, the core components of it are Spark Core, Spark SQL, Spark Streaming, and Spark MLlib. And specifically, Spark MLlib is a distributed machine learning framework on top of Spark Core. And it's nine times faster than the previous disk-based approach to machine learning. So Apache Spark is rapidly becoming the de facto big data framework for ML and data science. Yeah, so very popular. Um, and you may hear people talking about Spark, especially as they talk about it in conjunction with other big data platforms, which we talk about separately. You may have heard of Hadoop and other things, but we won't go into that right now. Just be aware that that's what Spark is all about. Exactly. And then another term maybe you're familiar with, maybe not, is Kaggle. So Kaggle originally started in 2010 as a public data platform and place to host and run data-oriented competitions. So you may have heard of Kaggle competitions before. Maybe you've even participated in one. Kaggle has now run hundreds of machine learning competitions since it was founded back in 2010. And there's over 8 million Kagglers as of 2021, so lots of them. And some of the competitions have resulted in many successful projects that have helped further the state of AI and ML. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with a Kaggle competition, it usually is that there's some host, there's some sponsor of a competition or a host that will have a question or a problem that they're trying to solve and also has the data. So they prepare this data. And participants can then 
try to solve this problem, experiment with different techniques and compete against each other to produce the best models, right? So, and then you basically share that work publicly through these things called Kaggle kernels, Kaggle kernels and you try to get a better benchmark uh, to inspire new ideas. So when you submit these uh, submissions through Kaggle kernels, you can either upload them or there's an API and the submissions are scored automatically. Uh, usually because there's some performance metric, you know, accuracy or whatever the measure is. And there's a live leaderboard that says who is currently the, the, the top winner. And then, of course, when the competition is over, then whoever the host is pays prize money so you can win money. And in exchange for that, the host gets a worldwide perpetual, irrevocable and royal free t- royalty-free license to use the intellectual property in the winning entry. So I guess everybody gets something out of it, right? And it's a non-exclusive license, but you know, it's the kind of thing when you're up there competing, you should know that you're helping build a machine learning solution that someone else or maybe other people can use as well. It was very popular. Even notable machine learning and AI researchers have used Kaggle competitions. Jeff Hinton, we talked about him multiple times, progenitor of backpropagation and, and all these things that we talked about and participated in AlexNet, so many things that we have talked about. He's been core to the deep learning wave of AI. Uh, he used uh, you know, d- deep learning neural nets to win a competition on Kaggle that was hosted by a pharmaceutical company, Merck. Um, now, there, somebody else used Kaggle to show the power of something called XGBoost. We talked about that in um, our decision trees and random forests, um, you know, uh, podcasts talked about these like, like ways of basically using decision trees. And now XGBoost has taken over from random forest, the previous way, as one of the main methods that are used now to even to win Kaggle competitions. People are using XGBoost all the time. So there's tons of of stuff that Kaggle has put together and through their competitions and through the research and through the papers, the researchers are on there, the data scientists are on there, the organizations are on there. There's a leaderboard. You can get, you can get some kudos, you know, maybe get a job. Um, and, and even a lot of the winning entries, they even get like blog write-ups on the Kaggle blog, the Kaggle winner's blog. So, so there's a lot of like, uh, you know, real mojo for participating and working with Kaggle uh, as part of it. But th- there's more to the Kaggle story. Exactly. So as we mentioned, it had originated and started in 2010. In March of 2017, Fei-Fei Li, the chief scientist at Google, announced that Google was actually acquiring Kaggle during a keynote. So now, you know, as of 2017, uh, it is part of Google. And Kaggle also is an AI and ML platform that offers different things. In, a, in addition to it, it offers its Kaggle competitions, but it also has data sets available to find, share, and publish. It has a web-based data science environment. It also has recruiting competitions as well and AI education and training. So it's uh, evolved a lot from just its competition days and now it has a bunch of other things as well. So hopefully at a high level, you now have an understanding of the different things that we've presented in this you know, machine learning tools and the toolkits so that if you hear it at a high level, you understand what they are. Maybe it helps you get a better sense of when and how to use these. But of course, understanding the terms at a high level and knowing how to put them into practice are two different things. And that's really, you know, we're big advocates of doing AI, right? We want you to succeed. We want you to be successful with your AI and your machine learning and big data projects. 
So for our listeners of AI Today, we've put together a free intro to CPM AI course. So it can give you an overview at a high level of what CPM AI is and how you can apply it for project success. If you're interested in taking this, go to aitoday.live to register for free for the Intro to CPMAI course. And if you'd like to become CPMAI certified, so you, you know, dig a lot deeper into these topics, and uh, then at the end, after you've successfully completed all of the training and exercises, you can become CPMAI certified yourself. Go to cognolitica.com slash CPMAI. I'll make sure to link to both of them in the show notes as well. So you just have to click on the link and it'll take you to both of those courses. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at aitoday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.